Hi, my name is Molly, and I love all things ghoulish, macabre, spooky and paranormal. If you do too, then you'll love to tune in and listen to me, bringing you haunted tales from every county in the United Kingdom and eventually beyond. Each week, I pick a county randomly from my ghost haunted box and bring to you a ghostly tale from that particular county. This week, we have been transported to the tranquil county of Cumbria. So sit or lie back and let's get ghoulish. The estimated population of Cumbria for 2023 is 501,000 people. Lake District Beauty. Cumbria is home to the Lake District National Park, known for its stunning lakes, mountains and picturesque landscapes. Mountains Galore. England's highest peak, Scaffold Pike, can be found in Cumbria. Beatrix Potter's Inspiration. The famous author, Beatrix Potter, was inspired by the Cumbrian countryside and many of her stories, such as Peter Rabbit, are set here. Mysterious Stone Circle. Castle Rig Stone Circle near Keswick is one of the most atmospheric prehistoric monuments in Britain. Hadrian's Wall. A section of Hadrian's Wall, a UNESCO World Heritage Site, runs through Cumbria, showcasing Roman history. Cumbrian Pencil Museum. Keswick is home to the world's first pencil and you can learn all about it at the Pencil Museum. Unique Herdwick Sheep. Cumbria is known for its Herdwick Sheep, a hardy breed native to the region. Windermere Steamboat Museum. It houses a unique collection of historic steamboats. Swallows and Amazons. Arthur Ransom's famous children's books, Swallows and Amazons, were inspired by Coniston Water. Ravenglass and Eskdale Railway. This miniature railway offers a scenic journey through the Eskdale Valley. Longest Lake. Windermere is the largest natural lake in England. Poet's Corner. The poet William Wordsworth lived in the Lake District and you can visit Dove Cottage, his former home. Holker Hall Gardens. These beautiful gardens are known for their exceptional displays of plants and flowers. Unique Dialect. Cumbrians have their own distinct dialect and accent, adding to the region's charm. Lakeland Motor Museum. It features an impressive collection of classic cars and motorcycles. Wastwater. This lake boasts one of the deepest and most stunning bodies of water in England. St Bees. The west coast village of St Bees is the starting point for the coast-to-coast -coast walk, a famous long-distance hike. 
Carlisle Castle, the historic Norman Castle with a tumultuous past. Cumbrian food. Try to dish traditional Cumbrian dishes like Cumberland sausage and Grasmere gingerbread. Wildlife haven. Cumbria is home to various wildlife, including red squirrels, ospreys and peregrine falcons, making it a paradise for nature enthusiasts. This week, my ghosts and ghouls, we are exploring one of the UK's most haunted castles, Moncaster Castle. Moncaster Castle is a privately owned castle overlooking the River Esk, about a mile east of the west coastal town of Ravenglass in Cumbria, England. It is recorded in the National Heritage List for England as a designated Grade 1 listed building. The Moncaster website has provided us with a history of the castle. The castle, nestled in Cumbria, believed to be standing on Roman remains, is a key part of the region's history. Whilst the Pennington family have recorded evidence of this historic house as being their home since 1208, when lands were granted to Alan D. Pennington, some records go back further suggesting that the family have been here since at least 1026. The castle was built in the later 13th century and enlarged in the 14th when a Pelly Tower was erected on Roman foundations, which would date back to 79 AD. Part of its fabric being incorporated in the southwest tower. A coin from the time of Emperor Theodosius, AD 380 has been found, and there is also a victor ring. It was the fifth baronet created First Baron Moncaster, who carried out far-reaching renovations inside and out, including planting most of the large hardwood trees and founding the library, and his great-nephew Gamal Augustus, 4th Lord Moncaster, who shortly before his death in 1862 instructed Anthony Salvin, whose main interest was military architecture, and he was very fashionable, to update the house. Salvin covered the courtyard, built by first Lord Moncaster, converting it into the present drawing room, with its much-admired barrel ceiling, which was the work of two Italian plasterers. It was redecorated in 1958 by Lady Pennington Ramsden, the fifth and lord, last Lord Moncaster, Gamal's brother, died in 1917 and the Moncaster estate passed to his mother's family, the Ramsdens, who carried out extensive works in the gardens and brought many of their possessions, including the Ramsden family portraits, to Moncaster. In those days, the estate still extended to 23,000 acres. 
Moncaster Castle is a fine example of one of the Lake District and Cumbria's favourite historic houses. Come and see for yourself just how impressive the building and historic gardens are. Now, according to my research, Moncaster Castle is haunted by several ghosts. You can even visit for an overnight stay as part of a group experience to witness these ghoulish goings-on for yourself. Let's find out more about some of its resident ghosts. Haunted Travel has provided us with some of this creepy information. Moncaster Castle is one of the most haunted castles in England. Moncaster Castle Ghosts There are certainly lots of ghosts at Moncaster. In the casebook that accompanied the Strange But True TV series, the previous owner Patrick Gordon Duff Pennington reported that strange things were still happening. He said, I went to open the King's room one morning and then something pulled the door from the other side. No one was in the room and no creature of flesh and blood could have held the door, then vanished so quickly. Tom Fool A lot of the ghostly goings-on at Moncaster are attributed to Tom Fool, who was the fool or jester of Moncaster, who died about 1600. Peter Frost Pennington told me but he doesn't believe that it's Tom Fool who is to blame. Tom Fool is around the castle keeping an eye on things, so to speak, but it's not him who's haunting the place. Tom Fool, from what we get our modern day phrase tomfoolery, by the way, wasn't a nice man. He used to sit by the castle and if passers-by asked the way to London, he would consider whether he liked the look of them. If he didn't, he would point them to the quicksands rather than the ford. There's a portrait of Tom, full of the most curious detail. It's well worth trying to work out what the rhymes mean and see if you think he would have liked you or not. The morning I stood by Tom's portrait with Peter Frost Pennington, he told me the story and we talked about the claim that Tom was an acquaintance of William Shakespeare's. Peter explained the dates didn't quite match and then he apologised to say that the hairs on the back of his neck were standing up. He looked a bit unsettled and he put it down to Tom's presence. Tom is supposed to have murdered the local carpenter by chopping his head off, though one version has it that this happened in the tapestry room. Peter told me that it actually happened in the series of outbuildings that have been recently refurbished as a cafe and study centre. The poor carpenter fell in love with Hellwise, the daughter of Sir Ferdinand Pennington. 
This was such an unsuitable match that Sir Ferdinand paid the evil Tom to do away with the poor man. This he did with glee and brought back the carpenter's head to show his master that he'd done the deed. The spirit seemed to cluster in this place. The ghost of the mother of a previous owner, Sir William Pennington has been seen walking the corridors. On one occasion, a female visitor was scrutinising one picture on the walls when she heard footsteps coming up behind her. Thinking it was one of her friends, she talked to the person she sensed there, but when she turned round, she saw no one. Then she realised the footsteps had been the sound of someone walking on a stone floor, whereas the floor was carpeted. Tom isn't the only ghost at Moncaster Castle. The Ghosts of the Tapestry Room Somebody else appears to haunt the tapestry room. This room is a foreboding atmosphere. There are many portraits and other representations of people in the room dating from various periods, but none of them are smiling. The iron fire dog that lies on the grate is in the shape of a devil's head. Peter told me that he and the other staff have often watched visitors come to the door of the room, then stop and go out again, not realising why they don't want to go in, but feeling something unwelcoming. The room often feels unaccountably cold, and sometimes visitors complain to the staff about it. Guests who slept in that room often reported unpleasant experiences, there were very often the sounds of the rustling of old-fashioned skirts, but on occasions rather upsetting things happened. The late Lord Carlyle slept in the room, but was woken in the middle of the night by the sound of a baby crying close to him. Of course, there was no human baby near. Other people have heard the baby crying, and one of them said that while that was bad, the voice of the woman singing lullabies to soothe it was unbearable. In the 1980s, a man called James Cartland was researching into documents pertaining to Moncaster and stayed in the tapestry room. He went to bed late one cold winter night with a bunch of old letters to read. He said he'd been in bed a little while when an extraordinary feeling came over him. A muffled muttering began and they heard a noise like a child weeping in the dark corner of the room. After a time, he heard someone else entering the room and a voice like a woman trying to calm the child. Apparently, Mr Cartland's story prompted a guest from the year before to come forward. This young woman had been terrified to hear footsteps outside. Then the door opened. She sat bolt upright and she put the light on, but there was no one. She was the only person staying in the castle. So the next night she was extremely frightened to hear the footsteps again. This time she heard children's voices singing softly. 
After these incidents, Mr Cartland found an old plan which showed that, in the middle of the last century, the tapestry room had been the children's nursery. In April 1994, the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena sent an investigator called Jason Braithwaite with a team to spend a night in the most haunted rooms at Moncaster. One of the team, Ian Topham, reported something strange in the tapestry room at 2.45am. Slowly, a figure walked through the open wooden door and paused. It was three-dimensional, but very dark. You couldn't see any features on it. When it got within a couple of feet of me, it sort of vanished. His teammate, Melanie Warren, was coming from the King's Room. She reported, I saw a shadow going into the tapestry room. I assumed it was an investigator and I was just seeing their shadow follow them into the room. I thought I knew where everyone was so that if an investigator was going in there, perhaps something interesting had happened. When she entered the tapestry room, the only person in there was a white-faced Ian Topham. Peter Frost Pennington told me that once the haunting of the tapestry room became quite well known, there was a flood of requests to stay in there. At first, people were allowed to do so for free, but now a small charge is made. Early in the wet summer of 1998, a group of students at the Owl Centre had come to the end of their stay, and as a goodbye to Moncaster, asked to stay in the tapestry room. A number of them crowded in there, and most of them slept on the floor. However, one lucky girl got to sleep in the antique four poster bed. After a lot of talking and joking, the group gradually became quiet and dropped off to sleep. Then, the girl in the bed was wakened by a heavy weight dropping onto her. She sat up terrified and woke the others. Of course there was no one to be seen. Previously, another group of students had spent their last night at Moncaster in the tapestry room. On this occasion, a young man slept in the four-poster bed. A hooded figure leaned over him as he slept. He thought it was a friend playing a joke, but when he looked to his left, there was the friend asleep on the floor. He gathered up enough courage to look back where the hooded figure had been, only to find that it had vanished. You may be able to negotiate permission to stay overnight in the tapestry room, but be warned. Because of the castle's anti-intruder system, once you're in, you can't get out till morning. The Moncaster Boggle Another ghost at Moncaster Castle is Mary Bragg. The Penningtons of Moncaster, like the Kerwins of Wokington, and the Musgraves of Eden Hall have their luck. The luck of Moncaster is a 15th century glass basin, which was given to Sir John Pennington by Henry VI for sheltering him from his enemies after his defeat in the Wars of the Roses at the Battle of Hexham 
1463. As is usual with these locks, an inscription records, Whilst the family should keep it unbroken, they should greatly thrive. Sorry, that was written in Old English. Just about got there. One of the least well-known of Moncaster's ghosts, but probably the most often seen is Mary Bragg. When I first met Peter Frost Pennington, we spent so much time talking about the other ghosts that he didn't mention her. Then a month or so later, I was speaking to one of the staff of a hotel some miles away when she told me of an experience her godfather had in the gardens of Moncaster Castle. He was training to be a landscape gardener and one day he was working with a partner near the castle when he saw a woman approaching him across the field. As she got closer gazing at him, he became a little unnerved and prodded his mate. What's this woman doing in here? he asked. The other man looked up. What woman? he replied. The woman had vanished. The next time I saw Peter Frost Pennington, I told him about this and he said that would be Mary Bragg. Now the interesting point is that the man who saw her has no idea who or what she was to this day. But from Peter's story, the apparition fits in very well to what is known of the ghost of Mary Bragg. A coroner's report from 1805 refers to an inquest held into the death of Mary Bragg. Her corpse was found in the River Esk, with its head so badly damaged after being partially eaten by eels that he couldn't say with any certainty what had killed her. However, Peter's research has established the following story. Mary Bragg was the housekeeper for the person who lived in Ravenglass. She was in love with the footman at Moncaster Castle. However, one of the housemaids at Moncaster was her bitter rival for the man's affections. One night, when the person was away, two men called on her in Ravenglass. These men appeared to have been the groom and another footman. They told her that her lover was dangerously ill and she should come straight away. Apparently she resisted at first, saying she would go in the morning, but they told her that if she waited until the morning, he would almost certainly be dead. That persuaded her and she went with them. She began to get suspicious when she realised that the horse's hooves had been muffled. The coach climbed the lonely road to Moncaster and near where the car park is today, it stopped. The two men suddenly grabbed her, bundled her into the nearby trees and killed her. There was a tall tree there then, which was afterwards called Mary Bragg's tree. The murderers took her body and buried it under some undergrowth below the terraces at the castle. They thought it would be eaten by animals and birds. However, by chance, the next day, one of the farm boys was taking his cattle down that way and he found the body and reported it to the head gamekeeper. 
the body was taken into one of the outbuildings near the terrace. There was a natural desire at the castle to keep things quiet, but such a discovery inevitably got to the ears of the authorities. The coroner was called, but the next day the body had disappeared. It was found some weeks later in the river. Nobody was prosecuted, but a story about the curse of Mary Bragg started to spread. It seems that everyone associated with the murder and its investigation, including the coroner, the doctor and the gamekeeper, died very shortly afterwards. People soon began to see Mary and sightings have persisted until today. There are three or four members of the staff at Moncaster who will swear to having seen her and there are reports of motorists noticing a distressed looking woman near the entrance to the castle. There are even stories of motorists thinking they've hit someone but finding no one there. Peter Frost Pennington himself believes that he once saw her going from near the car park to the castle entrance. Mary Bragg's Tree Mary Bragg's Tree got the reputation of being cursed. Over the years it became old and dangerous until in the mid-1990s it had to be cut down. The problem was that no one would do the job. This is actually surprisingly common still in Britain and Ireland and there are documented reports of roads going round sacred or haunted trees in rural areas because no one will cut them. In the end, a man was found who would do the job. Special permission had to be obtained to close the road and the operation was planned to take the least possible time. Traffic was stopped and the tree was felled. Then the contractor went to lop off the branches with a chainsaw. As he cut into a thick bow near the top, warm blood spurted all over him. It was most probably a hibernating bat asleep in the tree, but the blood did much to confirm the tree's reputation. In the end, nobody would buy the wood, and it had to be taken out of Cumbria, to be sold. Lastly, haunted places to go also adds that there is a popular haunt that is said to lurk within the castle walls of this most haunted location. The name of this spirit is Thomas Skeleton. This man served in the 16th century as a jester. It was said that he had a cruel, twisted sense of humour that often resulted in endangering and even ending the lives of others. In conclusion, Moncaster Castle stands as a captivating testament to history and the enduring fascination with the supernatural. Its storied past, replete with the enigmatic figures of Tom Fool, Mary Bragg, Thomas Skeleton and countless others. It continues to beckon curious souls and paranormal enthusiasts from far and wide. The castle's enduring reputation as a haunted haven 
is a testament to the enduring power of legends and the enduring human curiosity about the otherworldly. As ghost hunters continue to seek answers within its ancient walls, Muncaster Castle remains a place where history and mystery intertwine, inviting us all to ponder the enigmatic realm that lies beyond our comprehension. Thank you for joining me today as we explored the eerie Muncaster Castle. Before I sign off, I'll draw the next county from my ghost haunted box. And the chosen county is... Devon. Tune in next week on September the 22nd at 7pm to discover the chilling tales of Devon. Until then, stay curious, stay cautious and never let your guard down. For the realm of the unknown is always closer than we think.